the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find them all And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. When you set your gaze on now, you get overwhelmed and anxious and worried and all, all of that. The Lord says, now set your heart on things above, where Christ is. We set our gaze upon then. I've shared it before, but Martin Luther had a saying where he said, I have two dates on my calendar, today and that day. And those are the two things he has on his mind. What am I doing today for the Lord? And yet at the same time, I've got one eye on that day, looking forward to the day when we see Jesus face to face. Pastor Dan talks today about our hope for the end of this age. Have you ever felt like there's no hope? Even as God was chastening the people of Jerusalem, he was offering them optimism. The world as we know it will one day pass away. And as children of God, this is a glorious thing. We can have hope in today because we know that this world is temporary and that the war has already been fought and won. Don't let today get you down because one day you'll get caught up next to the Father. You'll have no need to be unhappy ever again. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Archaeologists have taken some of that lumber, and they've tested it, and they've determined that it is cedar from Lebanon that dates back to the time of Solomon. So how in the world would you get beams of cedar from Lebanon from the time of Solomon, unless they're from the temple that Solomon built when he used cedars from Lebanon to build the temple. And so they think that some of those beams were actually from Solomon's temple that Solomon built many years ago. And they're just laying there in a pile uh, with a tarp over them on the temple mount just in a corner there. So look at verse 14. Also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you. And all those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet. And they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Now think about what verse 14 is saying. All the descendants of those who afflicted Jerusalem. Throughout history. I mean, think about that. And how many different nations and kingdoms have come against the Jewish people and come against Israel, come against the city of Jerusalem throughout all of history. 
their descendants in the kingdom age, it says, will come bowing to Jerusalem, bowing down to it, and acknowledging it as the city of the Lord, as Zion of the Holy One of Israel. And it's just, I mean, it's just so amazing to think about this. I mean, even today, most nations refuse to acknowledge Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. You guys remember the big to do when Trump moved our embassy to Jerusalem and recognized it as the capital of Israel. Uh, So even today, there are nations that are against that city. In the kingdom age, their descendants will come bowing down and acknowledge that it is the city of the Lord, of Zion, of the Holy One of Israel. Verse 15, whereas you have been forsaken, And hate it, speaking of Jerusalem, so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many nations. What a beautiful promise about the city of Jerusalem. It's hated, it's despised, it's forsaken. And yet God promises here to make it an eternal excellence and make it a joy of many nations. Generations, You know, according to the Bible, according to God, Jerusalem is the geographical center of the earth. I know when you look at a map, usually the United States is right at the center of the map, in the center of the world. But according to Scripture, Jerusalem is the center of the earth. And I want to show you, turn with me to uh, Ezekiel chapter 5. Ezekiel chapter 5. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst or in the middle of all the nations and the countries all around her. So here in verse 5, God is saying that Jerusalem is in the middle. All of the countries are around her. If you look at a map, Israel sits on a land bridge that connects Asia and Africa and Europe. And if anyone wants to travel by land to those continents, uh, they have to pass through Israel to get there. So Israel, God has placed Israel, he's placed his people, you know, right at the crossroads of the world, especially the ancient world. And, you know, God didn't put his people somewhere off to the side, alone, away from the world. He put them right in the middle of everything. And he puts them in the center and then says, now be the light of the world. Show this world me, right? And he does the same thing with us. He didn't put us in a monastery. He didn't send us off to live by ourselves away from the world and without any contact in the world. He puts us right in the middle of this world. And he tells us to be the light of the world, be the salt of the earth. And that's why he's put us where he's put us, where he's put you where he's put you, with the people that are around you that are around you. So you can be light to them. You can be salt to them. That's what he did with his people. He put them right in the middle of, of everything, right at the crossroads, right at the main intersection of the ancient world so that they could be a light to the nations. And so Israel's at the center. At the center of Israel is Jerusalem. And at the center of Jerusalem is the temple. And at the center of the temple is the Holy of Holies, the dwelling place of God. And so Israel, it's, it's in the Bible... According to God, it's the center geographically of everything. 
in the world. That's why in the Bible, when it talks about directions, when it talks about east, west, north, south, it's talking about that direction in relation to Jerusalem. And when you see in the Bible, east, west, north, south, it's talking about east of Jerusalem, west of Jerusalem, north of Jerusalem, south of Jerusalem. Everything is referenced off Jerusalem because in God's economy, that's the center of everything. So it's the center of the world geographically. Jerusalem is also the center of the world when it comes to salvation. It's the salvation center of the world because it's just outside the city of Jerusalem at a place called Golgotha that God provided a sacrifice to save mankind. And it's the only place that God's provided a sacrifice for the salvation of mankind. It's also the center of the world prophetically. You know, all all of prophecy really centers around Jerusalem. And that's why all eyes are always on Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the burdensome stone to all nations. And I love what you see here in this chapter and here with this verse in verse 15. He says, you know, to Jerusalem, you've been forsaken and you've been hated by the world. But I will make you an eternal excellence. I will make you a joy of many generations. God will display his glory one day there in Jerusalem. Though it's despised by many, God will make it beautiful forever. He'll make it eternal. It'll be a joy to every generation ultimately. That's what God's going to do with it. He's going to transform it. Just like he does with us individually, right? He transforms us. He makes us into something new. Better than we ever were before. He says, you shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and milk the breast of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. In other words, the people will know that only God could do this. Only God could do this. There's no other explanation. Verse 17, instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron. God's going to upgrade everything. (laughs) He's going to make everything better. And I, I think verse 17 is looking ahead to the new Jerusalem. He goes on in verse 17, I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. One commentator said the greatest miracle in verse 17 is not turning bronze to gold. It's turning magistrates to righteousness, right? To have righteous rulers, righteous politicians leading the city, leading the country. We can't imagine that. Look at verse 18. Now, remember too. remember verse 18. Remember, Isaiah's writing this to people who've been devastated. Now, the hand of the Lord has been against them. They've been chastened by the Lord. Their nation lies in ruins and destruction from the Assyrians. The Babylonians are going to come in and and wipe out Jerusalem and carry them away as slaves in Babylon. And so you can imagine them as slaves in Babylon reading these verses where they're no longer in their homeland. Their capital is destroyed. The temple's destroyed. And to read these verses, I mean, just what hope it must inspire in them. Verse 18, violence shall no longer be heard In your land. Think about that. 
no longer hear about violence. Seems like when you turn on the news, all you hear about is violence, right? Especially when it's giving you news about the cities. It's nothing but violence. But here we're told in the kingdom age, violence shall no longer be heard. There's not going to be any violence anymore. Violence is going to disappear. Turn back to chapter 59. Just a page in your Bible. Look at verse 7. This is when God was was rebuking them for their sin and their hypocrisy. And he's speaking to his own people. He's speaking to God's people here. Verse 7, their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known. And there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. They've twisted things. And whoever takes that way shall not know peace. God, when he's describing them, he he says, you know, you run to evil. You don't run from evil. You run to participate in evil. You make haste to shed innocent blood. Your thoughts are always thoughts of sin, iniquity. It's just wasting and destruction in your path. There's no peace. There's no justice. You've twisted things. But what he says now in the kingdom age, in the kingdom age, he says, there's not going to be violence anymore. They're not going to know violence. They're not going to hear about it. The violence is going to disappear in the kingdom age. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. And look what he says going on in verse 18. Neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, just think, I mean, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that kind of prospect. To have a nation where there's no violence. There's no wasting, there's no devastation, there's no destruction. Only peace. And you shall, look what he says, you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. And what does that mean? He's saying you'll be surrounded by salvation. Walls around a city. You'll be safe. And anyone who enters in Praise will be on his lips when he enters in. No violence, no destruction, no wasting, no devastation. And the people, they sense the safety that surrounds them. And on their lips is continual praise. Don't you want to live there? I want to live there, right? Doesn't that sound wonderful? (laughs) Look at verse 19. The sun shall no longer be your light by day. 
nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord Yahweh will be to you an everlasting light and your God, your glory. Now, this is the the same description that we find in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23 of the new Jerusalem that God will create and the new Jerusalem God, there will be no need for the sun or the moon. God will be the light there, and it will be light continually. Your sun shall no longer go down, verse 20, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Think about that. He says, in this new Jerusalem, in the kingdom, he's saying, in the new Jerusalem, it's, it's always going to be daytime. It's always going to be sunny. There's no nighttime. The nighttime is when you were afraid. Nighttime is when you close the gates. Nighttime is when you're going to get attacked. Nighttime is when you're fearful. So this is the promise. And he's making this promise to people that are sinful. People that in the previous chapter, he was calling out because of their sin and their hypocrisy. And now he's going into this whole thing about what he has in store for them. This great future that he has for them. And what does the Bible say to us? The Bible says the same thing to us, right? In Revelation, it says that God will wipe away our every tear from our eyes. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. The former things will all pass away. God will make everything new for us. That's the promise he makes to us. That one day we're going to dwell with him in this new Jerusalem. And there'll be no need for the sun or the moon. And God himself will be our light. And he'll be an everlasting light. And we'll just dwell in his glory. And it says at the end of verse 20. And the days of your mourning shall be ended. Though our sorrow may last for the night. Joy comes in the morning. Right? What a promise for us. What a future he has for us. Now look at verse 21. Just when you thought it couldn't get better. (laughs) Also, your people shall all be righteous. All of them. How is that possible? Because in the new Jerusalem, we're all going to have our new glorified, resurrected bodies, free from sin, free from the sin nature. And so every person, all will be righteous. And they shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified, the Lord says. The Lord says here in verse 21, I'm going to do it all for you. I'm going to do it. It's not going to be this 50-50 partnership or anything. I'm going to do this for you. All by his grace, all by his kindness, all by his mercy, all by his love for us, that he gets all the glory, that he may be glorified. Now, verse 22, again, he's talking about the kingdom age. And remember, the kingdom age lasts for a thousand years. And those who live through the tribulation period and enter into the kingdom age, they'll end up living through the whole kingdom age. And look what he says. A little ones shall become a thousand. Now, I, I come from a large family. There's eight kids in our family. That's large by today's standard. He's saying a little family then will be a thousand people. 
Then he goes on to say, a small one, a small family will be like a strong nation (laughs) by today's standard. (laughs) He goes on, I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. What does that mean? Lord says that when when that time comes, he'll hasten it. He'll hurry it up. You know, right right now we're we're waiting, we're looking, we're longing for that day. And the Lord says that once that time comes, there's going to be no stopping it. There's going to be no slowing it down. Nothing's going to hinder it. You don't have to worry about some other nation coming in or some other kingdom coming in and preventing it from coming to pass. Once God sets that into motion, he's going to make it happen, and nothing will stop the Lord Almighty. You go through this chapter, and man, these promises just seem almost too good to be true, but they're true. They will come to pass. The Apostle Paul said, what we suffer now in this life is nothing compared to the glory that God will reveal to us. And he's writing this to a nation who is devastated by their own hand, by their own doing, because of their own sin, because they've turned against God. They brought it on themselves as a nation. And God calls out their sin. But the reason he's calling out their sin is because he's got this amazing future for them. This mind-blowing future that he has planned and prepared for them. And just like with you and me, the reason that the Holy Spirit, or as you're reading through the word and you feel the conviction, you feel the prick of the Holy Spirit as you read something, or you just, you know, somebody says something to you and you feel that conviction of sin, The reason why the Lord is doing that and the reason why the Lord brings our sin into the light or puts his finger on something in our lives is so we can deal with it. But the reason he does that is because he's got this future for us. He's got this amazing future for us. Where we will dwell with him and he will be our God and we will be his people and we'll dwell with him in perfect righteousness in perfect glory. And excellence. And that's why he's working in us. That's why the Bible tells us to set your eyes on things to come. To set your gaze on then. And not now. You you set your gaze on now. You get overwhelmed and anxious and worried and all, all of that. The Lord says, now set your heart on things above. Where Christ is. We set our gaze upon then. I've shared it before, but Martin Luther had a saying where he said, I have two dates on my calendar, today and that day. And those are the two things he has on his mind. What am I doing today for the Lord? And yet at the same time, I've got one eye on that day, looking forward to the day when we see Jesus face to face. Right? And all of our sin is gone. And all of our junk is gone. And we finally are surrounded by salvation. The walls of a city surround a city. And on our lips will be words of praise. He asked me how I know and I say, bring
We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah. Right here on Ring of Truth. Reach true.